0: What a cracker morning. Uh, I, whenever the kids started to, um, into their little bit of what they were doing, I went and sat upstairs to watch. And what I saw from up there was a bunch of happy, joyful faces, excited faces, and the kids' faces were pretty good too. (laughs) Genuinely, as the kids came up on stage... There was a buzz about the room. There was parents straining to see their kids. There was phones out taking pictures. You would be hard-pressed to find a grumpy face in the crowd this morning. A day when we get to celebrate our kids, when we invite them up front to receive their gift from the minister. It's fun. It's exciting. You could just see their little faces from where I was. It was such a treat. And now I want you to imagine that in the middle of all that, some of our elders stood up and told our Sunday school teachers off. Imagine they stood up in the middle of that and said, hey, what are you doing? Don't let the kids interrupt a Sunday morning service. What are they doing bothering Gareth and wasting his time? Imagine that had happened it would have been a little bit scandalous. We would have been shocked. We would have been disappointed in our elders. And yet this is the scene that we come across in our reading this morning. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, verse 13 to 15. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. And we find a similar account in Mark and Luke. The disciples scold the parents for bringing their kids to Jesus and for bothering him. They don't see the importance or the joy or the sweetness in this moment. They've missed something. And so, what does Jesus do? What is it that he does? Jesus responds to them, he rebukes them. He says, Hold on a minute stop these kids. Let them come. And Jesus uses this opportunity to reveal an important truth to his disciples and to us. A truth that he proclaims numerous times in the gospel. And this is the truth that he proclaims. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And in Matthew 18, we see it as well. I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There is something that children have. There is something about being like children that Jesus wanted his disciples and want us to get. It's something of childlike faith. I, like probably many of you in this room, have been around kids most of my life, or have been working with kids and young people all of my adult life, and especially even more since having Joel I've got a little bit of an awareness, I've developed a little bit of an awareness of what kids are like and their childlikeness. Children go to their parents for answers. They want to share what they've created. They want to show what they are accomplishing. And we saw that this morning as I watched some of the kids walk back down. You could see them looking for where their parents was. They couldn't wait to get down and show them their book and show them what they'd got. They were like look at me, this is what I've got. Kids want to do that. Kids want to sing, they want to dance, they want to play, they want to celebrate with joy and they do it without any thought of what they look like, of what others might take it or of how, if they might be annoying anyone or not. That's not even on their radar. And again, we saw it this morning as these kids came up on the stage and they danced and they twirled and they were trying to do actions and trying to follow Chris this way and Lucy this way and they just wanted to dance and to sing and to celebrate. They didn't care what they looked like or what others might think of them. And children run to their parents when they experience pain, when they experience defeat. And there was a beautiful moment this morning where there was a little girl who was obviously feeling a bit shy and her dad walked up on the stage and he picked her up, and as he walked off, she just cuddled in. All she wanted was her dad. What can we learn from kids and from being childlike? And there are so many attributes of childlikeness that we can explore, but in good Presbyterian fashion, I'm learning. There are three that I want us to look at this morning. Um, there are three that have been chasing around my head and my heart for the last couple of weeks. And so there are three, it's these three that I'd love for us to jump into a little bit this morning. And the first of these um, attributes that we think about is wonder. And wonder is defined as a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful and remarkable. A while ago, a friend was telling me about the time that she took her two-year-old son to go play and watching in an Ikea for the first time. Anybody ever done it? It's probably, yes, yes, there's people who've done it. It's a great place to go. And they, this was the first time that they'd been to do this. And they were eating their snacks. They were looking out the window when it happened. An airplane shot down the runway and took off. It was a moment of complete wonder for her son. Becoming aware of and seeing this incredible thing for the very first time. And all of a sudden, her son is shouting across Ikea, Wow! Look at that! Can you see this? And he's pointing at the airplane and he's shouting at everybody around him, Can you see this? His mind was blown. He was in complete wonder. And of course, people looked. People noticed. People smiled. And people couldn't help but respond, possibly in wonder of being reminded of the wonder of a flying metal tube. Wonder. We see this kind of wonder and amazement all throughout the New Testament. When the shepherds see the baby Jesus, they run and tell everybody of what they've seen. We've seen him. Wait till you hear this. Wait till you hear what the angels told us about this baby. When the Samaritan woman encounters Jesus at the well and runs into town to tell everybody, I found him. I know who the Messiah is. He told me all these things that he couldn't possibly have known. It is wonder and excitement. When Mary and the other women meet Jesus in the garden after he's risen, they run to tell the disciples, He's alive! Jesus is alive! He's not actually dead! He's alive! When the disciples interact with the living Jesus, they run and tell the world, He's alive! This is the hope that we have. This is the gospel. This is the truth. The birth The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus was so beautiful, is so beautiful, so remarkable, so overwhelming, that it stirred wonder and awe and delight in those who encountered him, that they couldn't help but shout in unbridled and unrestrained joy, look, Do you see? Wow! This is who Jesus is! And people around them couldn't help but look and notice and respond. Do we have that childlike childlike attribute of wonder at the hope and the message of the gospel and the good news of Jesus? Or have we become so familiar, so comfortable that we have lost the wonder and amazing thing of the love of a Savior who died on a cross, who paid the price for our sins, but even more so, he rose again and he lives. Have we lost the wonder of the gospel Have we lost the awe and the delight that says to a lost world, wow, do you know what he did? Do you know who he is? Do you know that he lives? This is the life that you can have. This is life in all its fullness. Are we so in wonder and in awe of this that we can't help but shout about it and allow people to look and to notice and to respond. The second attribute of childlike faith, I believe, is trust. And trust is defined as a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, or the ability of someone. When I was a kid, we used to go on the best family holidays. And I know that many of you can relate to this. We went two weeks South of France, Eurocamp holiday. Best day of Whitcroft, I've got a nod. It. It's the only way to go. It was a holiday that saw us set off in a fully packed car with everything that we could possibly need. There was petrol in the tank, the boat tickets were booked, we had our passports handy, there were francs, back then it was francs, there were francs in the wallet. We knew the route, the three fronts that we were going to go. The map was marked out. The caravan was booked. Travel insurance was already sorted. We were ready. Everything was sorted. But of course, I didn't sort all that. I didn't even ask about those things. I just got up, got in the car, was excited and ready to go. Because I was only nine years old. I didn't need to question those things. I didn't need to sort all those things. I didn't need to know all the details, because my dad did, and I trusted him completely. I knew that he had everything under control. I knew that he would tell me what I needed to know and what I needed to do when the time was right. And most importantly, he was going with me. We see that type of trust being displayed by God's people and asked of his people time and time again throughout the Bible. When God tells Abraham, you will be a father to many nations, yet he had no kids at the time. Trust me, I will bless you. When God tells Abraham, go and sacrifice your only son, Isaac, trust me, I will provide. When God tells Moses to go and lead the Israelites out of captivity from Egypt, trust me, I will tell you what to say. When God tells Gideon to fight an army with 300 men, trust me, I have it under control. When God tells Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land, trust me, I am going with you. In the New Testament, we are told, do not worry about tomorrow, what you will wear, what you will eat, what you will drink. Don't worry about what you're going to say Trust me, I'm in control of all your tomorrows. Trust me, I will provide for all your needs. Trust me, I will give you the words when the time comes. And we're told that even when things seem so beyond our understanding that we cannot even grasp them, trust me, I will make your path straight. Do we have that childlike, childlike attribute of trust? Trust in who we know God to be through his word. Trust in what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection. Trust that allows us to fall asleep at night, to go to sleep easy, not fearful for the future and what it may hold, because God is already there and he knows what the future holds. A trust that allows us to let go of all our worries about our health, about our finances, about our jobs, about our kids, about what other people think of us. Because we know that God has it all in control. He knows all the details. He will give us what we need and tell us what to do when the time is right. A trust that brings freedom from fear, a trust that brings freedom from worry, a trust that brings freedom from needing to be in control a trust that brings freedom from having to know every step into the future. And the third attribute I want us to look at is that of adventure. Adventure is defined as engaging or in risky or daring behavior. A new play park Um, has opened down the road from us over the last wee while and over the past few weeks we have spent many a day and many a sunny evening there with Joel bursting to get on everything from the roundabout to the climbing frame to the slides to the mini climbing wall to whatever it is that he can go on he is bursting to go on it. All of this thrilling and exciting activity, he is just itching to get on it. It is every child's dream. And every first-time parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, you hear me? And maybe even not first-time parents, you look and you see. And so often over these last weeks, Sam and I have found ourselves saying, be careful, that's too high watch you don't fall, or sometimes just no. <laughs> but what we have noticed is we've watched him become a little bit more hesitant. We've watched him become a little bit more cautious. And we are so aware that we are at risk of stifling his sense of adventure for wanting to be brave, for wanting to try new things, for wanting to roll down grassy banks and climb trees and pretend that he is the best dinosaur keeper in the whole world, we risk stifling his sense of adventure. That's what kids want to do. They love the thrill of flying down the slide, of whizzing around on the roundabout. And we experience and see that same sense of adventure that God invites his people to. When we look in Hebrews 11, in that big faith chapter, when by faith Noah built a boat when there had been no rain on the earth up until that point, he risked looking like a complete fool. When by faith Rahab lied to the king and hid the spies in her house, she risked her life. When by faith Rahab hung a red ribbon out her window, believing that her little house within the walls of Jericho would somehow be spared, she risked her life. When Abraham left his country to go to a place that he didn't know where, he risked losing everything. When by faith the Israelites followed Moses to the water and followed him through the Red Sea, they risked their lives. The disciples left their jobs. They risked their livelihoods. The apostles traveled the world. They risked not having anywhere to sleep or any food to eat. The early church lived counterculturally. They risked ridicule and being cut off and disowned. The Bible is full of adventure and people who took risks because God asked them to, because God called them in to this sense of adventure. Do we have that childlike attribute of adventure? Or have we listened to the culture around us that says, work hard, get a good job, don't offend anyone, keep your head down? A culture that says, you've got responsibilities. This is the way that things should be. Have we become safe? Have we become hesitant? Have we become cautious? Do we listen to the wee voice that says, You couldn't possibly do that? Things will never change. That's the little voice. Are we listening to that voice? Do we need to step out with a sense of adventure? And engage in risky and daring activity. The adventure of taking a career break and moving to Athens to serve refugees. The risk of inviting your neighbor to church. The risk of telling your friend, Yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus because this is what he's done for me and this is who he is. Of being daring. And asking your boss, can we run an alpha in the workplace? Are we willing to take risks? Do we need to, as a church, throw caution to the wind and step out of our walls and look for creative and risky ways to bless our neighbors, to bless our community, to shout to the world, this is who Jesus is. Do you know you can trust Him? Are we willing to step out to be adventurous? Are we listening, and are we ready for the adventure that God is inviting us into? And as we return back to Matthew chapter 19, and those couple of verses And what it is that Jesus is saying, we discover this amazing truth that we need to become childlike. As we rediscover a childlike faith or step into it for the very first time, that place of wonder, of trust, of adventure, of passion, of abandon, of all those things that we see in our kids, What impact can that have in your life? What impact can that have on the people around you as they see it in your life? Do you need to reclaim the wonder of the hope and the message of the gospel? Do you need to surrender to trusting in a God who has you, who loves you, and has everything under control? Do you need to embrace the sense of adventure that calls you to live a life of risk, that involves boldness and being brave for the advancement of the kingdom? Do you want, do you need that childlike faith? Jesus is saying, go for it. Go for it. I've got you. As I walk with Joel, as he's become that little bit hesitant, I just want to say to him, go for it, son. Just go. I'm right here. That's what Jesus is saying to us this morning as we seek to embrace a childlike faith. He's saying, go for it. I've got you. You can trust me. It's adventurous. Come along. Let's go. And as we step into our last couple of worship songs this mor- excuse me this morning, I want to invite you to ask God to rekindle that childlike faith. As you go to the picnic this afternoon and you watch those kids running around with complete abandon and complete freedom, ask God what it is in your life that you need to embrace of a childlike faith. And the prayer ministry team are going to be here if there's anything that you would just love prayer for. It doesn't need to be anything specific. If you would just love for them to come and pray blessing on you, come and be prayed for. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But ask God to remind you again of the wonder of who he is and what he's done for you and how we can live lives that are free and that are filled with passion and abandon an adventure. Let me pray as our worship team come back up. Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for this morning and for those kids. And we thank you for the party and the fun that is going on down in the hall. And God, we thank you for what you want to teach us through the lives of kids. Not what we can teach them, but what they can teach us about what it looks like to come to you with childlike faith. Will you speak to each one of us this morning? Will you bring a little bit of that childlike faith back into our lives? Will you help us to live lives that are full of wonder, that are full of trust and that are full of adventure? Because that is who you are and that is what you want for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.